Fellowship Day 153. There was parts of day 152 where I was so tired that I actually didn't think I was going to get through the day. But conversely, something pretty good happened yesterday that has made me today for this recording want to touch on something a little bit more that I'd first mentioned in day 151. And that is deep work. So yesterday, um, I got into a part of the day where I wanted to try to clear a programming project, something that I'd really put on the back burner since around October 2020. This is now um, the best part of a year later, not quite, but almost enough for this level of procrastination to be quite ridiculous. But anyway, uh, my procrastination and that in general, something for another time. But on the subject of deep work, yesterday I got into this project, um, I reminded myself of some files that I needed, opened the code, and away I went. There was a small bridging period between you know, the revision of where the hell I was in this project before I let it slide, and the focus of knowing exactly what I needed to do. Now, the best part of that, the thing that relates to the deep work, is that I then brought my head up three hours later. There's a real challenge, but ultimately a real skill in being able to get to that point of focus where you move out of the chaos into that flow state where it's go, go, go. You keep moving forward. You keep aiming at the target. Nothing needs to be perfect, but you keep stepping forward. Baby steps, side steps, mistakes, doesn't matter. Keep going, keep going, keep going. And when I finished that three hours later, it made me, and again for today, think about <clears throat> some other elements of deep work. Last time, I think day 151, I'd mentioned the real eye-opener of not having to commute for a while and clawing back that time that was more or less otherwise lost in the day and, and how much more effective I felt when I didn't have to commute as often. Going Further than that, there are other elements of deep work such as the cost that you can associate with switching tasks. So I think I'd first come across that concept reading um, the uh, Tim Ferriss's book, The 4-Hour Workweek, which I highly recommend to anyone trying to step outside a traditional view of their working life and career. Now, that's a powerful concept to say that every time that you step away from the task on which you're trying to get into deep work, there's a cost. You pay a price, a penalty for stepping away from it. And it's a, a price, a penalty in concentration, a penalty in energy that you can associate with the thing that you're really trying to do. So that's a complicated way of saying, stay the hell off your phone, turn the emails off, have a block of time where there are no meetings and that you're not tempted to say yes to anything else. You've uh, kindly, considerately, conscientiously told others in your team that you want to give them the time that they deserve when you can be present to do so, but you need 
this little block of time to get some shit done. Now, where I was going with that was if you actually go from the concept of having a, a cost or a penalty associated with task switching away from the thing that you're trying to do, you can quantify that quite easily these days if you look at the obvious example of time spent on your phone um, flicking through social media. Uh, well, let me first say I'm not trying to be a hypocrite here. I love posting on social media. It's a good way to keep in touch with certain people that um, I don't find it easy to keep up with in other ways. Um, all I'm focusing on here are the darker sides of that same coin. The time sink and the doom scroll that can be just picking up your phone for five minutes and then forgetting what the hell it was that you were trying to do once you put the phone down again. So quantifying the energy and cost associated with the task switching that is going away from what you're doing on the laptop, let's say, and picking up your phone. I'll, I did that once and saw that at one time in my life, I was averaging maybe four hours a day on my phone, which in the modern context might not sound like a lot, but I'm glancing sideways as I speak to you here to do a short calculation. I've actually done this before in a podcast interview that I'll link you to. But four hours a day, right? Okay, let's say you do, let's say you're merciless on yourself. You do that seven days a week, four hours a day on your phone, seven days a week. And you work for, okay, let's say you're, you take some holidays. Let's be generous here. Let's say six out of the 52 weeks in a year are not associated with any work. So what's that? Six away from 52. So it leaves us with 46 weeks. So four hours a day times seven days a week times 46 weeks gets us to just shy of 1,300 hours. And if we put 24 hours in a day, for this conservative estimate of workdays alone, you would lose, or I was losing, looking at my phone for four hours a day, almost 54 full days, 54, 24-hour days, just scrolling through crap on my phone. Now, when I quantified that <clears throat> and thought about deep work and task switching, I started to think, well, 56 days or, you know, a number around about then, that's a hell of a lot of time to learn something new or to pick up those things I was procrastinating on or to avoid thinking there's some other imaginary hurdle in my way stopping me from doing something difficult. Now, you can complete online courses in less than 56 days. You can... Um, you know, instead of binging both, I don't know, um, what's two things I've binged? Breaking Bad and Fringe. One for the oldies out there, perhaps. But anyway, if you binge two full Netflix programs, trade one of them in and you've got yourself a couple of hundred hours to do some of the other things you might be thinking that you're missing out on. But we're veering down into longer term things here. I want to come back to deep work and task switching. Yeah, even 
looking at the microcosm of the amount of time that you would spend on your phone or looking at emails per day, as soon as you start to take the tally marks and actually put numbers against these little micro tasks that switch you away from the big thing you're trying to accomplish, I think as soon as you lift the veil on that and clearly see what the numbers are, then you can start to manipulate those numbers and consciously change your schedule so that, yeah, you're not being draconian, you're not taking yourself away from these things that can be quite fun, of course. You're just taking more control over when you do it and not doing it as a compulsion, like a monkey bringing a cigarette up to its mouth. You are being consciously aware of this is the time where I'm going to do the deep work and this is the time where I'm going to just mess around and catch up with some people or post some thoughts online or catch up on some emails. When you realize how time is controlling you, you can consciously take back control of your time. And that's where I'll leave it today. I'll see you back here for day 154. Have a good one. If you like what you're hearing on the podcast, head over to the website where not only will you find the written blog versions of these podcasts, you'll find my leadership blog series, the daily thought series, and information about my book on managing the imposter phenomenon. We also have even more free resources and webinars linked to the YouTube channel. So head on over to dr-mark-read.com. That's dr-mark with a c-reid.com. Thanks again for listening.